0: You're
1: listening to episode 27. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started, it's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So, whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up. That you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student, so... Get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis smith here, your host. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Mr. Andrew Henderson. Andrew, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story?
0: I am ready and glad to be here.
1: Fantastic. Well, Andrew runs an awesome site called NomadCapitalist.com. He started a multi-million dollar business at the age of 19, having had entrepreneurial parents and was inspired to be in the technology space at some point by people like Bill Gates. Um, Andrew now really cares about freedom and protecting your assets and help you find the best countries in the world to legally move your business tax reduction, immigration, and investments, so quite a cool business there. I'm super pumped to dig more into your story, Andrew, so welcome to the show, uh, but before we get stuck into that story, uh, maybe just um, take 30 seconds to tell us who is Andrew outside of business.
0: Well, the interest to learn, I think the hard way in 13, 14 years of being in business is to have a life outside of business. Um, for me, it was always Andrew was the business, and in fact... Uh, My old business partners and I, our our version of entertainment was discussing the businesses we hadn't started yet. Um, So for me, being the nomad capitalist, deciding to go where I'm treated best and deciding to live in great places around the world and travel and actually start to enjoy and not make everything about investing and doing business, but actually enjoy traveling enjoy cultures understand cultures that's been the big thing about me and wanting to be the global citizen who's not just the guy uh, who grew up in the u.s and doesn't know what's happening in the world but someone who understands and is comfortable anywhere in the rest of the world business or uh,
1: otherwise that's amazing yeah so i know we're talking before and uh, you know people listen to this interview um probably many years from now but uh but today you've just elected um, a new president elect in in Donald Trump, and um, you know, very interesting reactions around the world. Um, what, what does that impact do for your business? Do you think?
0: You know, I see this all the time on uh, on our website nomadcapitalist.com. People come, and I don't know every event, but we'll see times where we get you know a bunch of Indians that'll come and have a huge traffic spike, and then they'll go, and nothing much happens. After Brexit, same thing, where traffic went up five or tenfold. Um, after Trump and I remember sitting uh, here in South Africa watching the results up to like 11 o'clock in the morning and looking at our analytics and traffic was up 10, 11 times normal levels mm. and everything's going crazy and I don't know that it'll have a huge effect quite frankly I think that um, you have these kind of sugar spikes where people panic and they freak out and they get angry same the way that the other side got angry eight years ago and said Obama's going to throw everyone in a concentration camp and take all your guns and it's going to be Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge in, in the United States. Uh, it's the same thing now. How many will move to Canada? We've been hearing this for years. Um, mm. I'm happy to help people who want to move and I think it's a great opportunity for mm. the U.S. and if you work for a company and have, have been wanting to start their own business, don't go to Canada. Go to Mexico go to Panama, go to, you know, Georgia where I spend time, or Montenegro, go to these places where it's cheap and you can afford to start a business where they actually want you to immigrate there. Canada doesn't want you. and let's just be honest. Canada doesn't want (laughs) you. So I don't see a huge impact for the business. My business is guys who are crushing it online, crushing it with consulting businesses, they're making money, and they're tired of paying taxes. And they just wake up one morning and turn on CNN and say, holy crap, i got to do something. It's been a a long, deliberate process, and many of them have been trying to figure out for a long time, and many of them have wasted a lot of money and paid a lot of taxes unnecessarily. I tend to think that a bunch of people angry about Donald Trump probably aren't my ideal person. Um, So I work with entrepreneurs, and I work with people who, they want to make a real change, not react to something. They're running to something, as I say, not from something.
1: So you've just touched on, I guess, um, your business model a little bit there, but um, and we'll, we'll dig more into this, but um, what, what are your core uh, business revenues at the moment?
0: Well, so we do a lot of different things. I mean, Nomad Capitalist was like my retirement project. I ran uh, a number of businesses in the United States and broadcasting and all kinds of other um, you know, other businesses. and And this was like I sold everything, and I'm finally going full scale on going where I'm, treating best, where I'm treated best, and it just developed into something where we're like the number one website now. We have more people coming from anywhere looking for this information, and I eventually said, hey, all right, you want me to help you? I've done it. I can help you do it, and we help people, like I said, mostly entrepreneurs. They want to pay less in tax. Some of them want second passports. Some of them are U.S. citizens who, with the tax laws in the U.S., which I don't think Trump will change, Uh, they want to renounce their citizenship, and they want a second passport to do that. And then with all the money they save, they want to invest it into other countries where they can actually make decent returns, not like 2% in Belgium or something. So that's the business, and that's most of what it is. And what we've been doing is diversifying into other things to better understand the people that we help. So into e-commerce businesses, into services businesses, kind of like what I did in the U.S. where I had my core business in broadcasting and then I invested in other businesses with the money that, that flew for, flowed from that cash cow business. I invested it into other businesses um, that uh, you know kind of all worked in tandem and that's what we're doing now with, with Nomad Capitalists. Is investing into other stuff that I'm not quite as passionate about, but we've got CEOs running those other smaller businesses and it helps us to learn about our clients who are in e-commerce, who are in consulting, who are selling stuff online who are in real estate and um, not only are we starting other companies that that do that to understand the clients but we're also starting other companies to help people in the nomad sphere Um, Mm -hmm. of course there are so many great opportunities in the emerging world we're taking on some of those opportunities ourselves so a lot going on you can see this is like what's the interest of business this is this is kind of it
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah so so i want to touch on a couple of points that you've raised there but but firstly um You mentioned, um, you know, you're not in the U.S. Did you say you're in South Africa today?
0: So I'm in South Africa. You know, I'm in 25 different countries a year. Wow. Uh, So I'm in South Africa now, and uh, I don't spend time in the U.S., no.
1: Wow. Which part of South Africa are you at?
0: Well, so Cape Town is the place, and and I'll be all over South Africa, um, but uh, um, it's not really a place that's ready for prime time yet. The Internet is not so great, quite frank, but... Cape Town is a beautiful place. It has the best of Malibu and San Diego and Arizona. Just from being from the western U.S., it, it kind of feels like some of the best parts. So it's, it's a great part of the lifestyle.
1: Now, that's great. I've never been to Cape Town, but I um, <clears throat> spent quite a, quite a lot of trips going down there when I was uh, I was working in Botswana for, for a number of years. That's very good. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk about your broadcasting business. Uh, was that your very first one, and how did that come about?
0: Yeah, I... Uh I grew up, interesting enough, you know, Donald Trump was one of the guys I really enjoyed back when he was not a firebrand political guy. I mean, obviously, we've now seen that he's a guy who likes puffery, but, you know, his business books, I really enjoyed (laughs) his business books, and I was kind of looking at different things, you know, real estate and finance and stuff like that, but, you know, I'd followed my father, who was in the finance business, but it was also on the radio. I followed him to radio stations, and so I, I put the two together, where I said, I love the radio aspect, but I don't want to be the guy who tries for the one in a thousand chance to be Sean Hannity or be Rush Limbaugh I want I, mean, I think business and entrepreneurship is the great equalizer that a guy who's a college dropout like myself can go into business and you know there's not a lot of competition, quite frankly. When you compare it to like being a, a famous movie star or being a top radio host or TV host or whatever, the competition is much like everyone can su- everyone can succeed in business. Mm. I didn't want to go into radio and be like some guy twirling away for thirty grand a year, so I put the business and that lot like together with radio and. So we started a company that was basically a market commercials infomercials on the radio. Very niche stuff. And we commercial financial services. Uh, a Fortune 50 company client at one time. We had a, a billion dollar direct response company that had us handle stuff and we created opportunities for people to mark that there's on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great time. I think that the future of AM radio in the United States is not great. Um, even FM radio is not great. I think that you we know, got out a, a great time, we had a great, great success, we had so many great people that we worked with, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of shaped my philosophy on entrepreneurship, that, you know, it's okay to go in, as Robert Hershevik from Shark Tank says, and make a whack of cash and get out, and it was a very successful business, and got out of the business, put some money in my pocket, and uh, moved on to other things.
1: How big was the business, uh, did you peak, or just before you exited?
0: Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm forbidden from talking about some of the exact numbers. I mean, this was a you know multi-million dollar business. Mm. Um, and you know, like I said, I mean, it started out a bit smaller where I had to learn uh, the lessons. that I actually had to learn this lesson a couple of times where we started out with smaller clients and we'd go, we, we were kind of trying to be like the yellow pages of radio where We'd go to like local financial advisors or mortgage guys back in the peak, you know, back when everything was hot as a pistol. And uh, and we'd say, Hey, you know, pay us ten grand or fifteen grand a quarter and we'll do this and click in the radio and, and you know, it's, it was kind of like now everyone's writing a book. That was our, our was our thing was mm. who else is on the radio? You'll stand out. Um, and that was successful, but it was a lot of work and ultimately we figured out getting a guy to pay you a million dollars a year. Not only was it easier to get that one guy, but it was uh, some of friends of some of those guys who worked for or were the clients who would send a million dollars a year, and they're really smart, really true guys. And so that was, I think, the lesson was moving up into the big leagues was was so much better. And you just, I mean, that's how I really started traveling was having those million dollar a year clients that didn't require any management. I would just be in Italy, and I'd make a few calls to heckle the radius reduced, um, and then I'd just catch the shack, and it got to the point where it was on autopilot, and that's when I really started to investigate all this offshore, overseas diversification, because I had all the time in the world running this bit that I don't think a 50 or $100 million business, so I just said, I'll just let it be what it is, mm. and... Um, And I'll travel and and use this as an opportunity to start the next businesses, travel, and and that eventually led to Nomad Capitalist.
1: So, what year did you exit the broadcast business?
0: So, we got out the the, kind of the the end. I mean, there were some different, kind of 2012. I was out of it, uh, end of 2012 basically for good worked with a few people just kind of on an ad hoc basis people I liked and kind of as a personal favor I guess I was still kind fan in the business um for a bit after that but um yeah, 2012 was the end 2013 I sold the last the US businesses some of the businesses that I ran I mean I really am a fan you know, I learned this from the Chinese air culture where <laughs> um but you know, I also had other businesses that were just they just threw off cash and um, you know in one case I just basically walked away from it and uh, you know put twenty grand or something in my pocket and just said, you know, I'm not gonna be here, don't want to be involved. Um, it was it was good while it lasted, but it's not really anything that can be sold.
1: Right. Um, that's very interesting. What was your lowest moment in business to date?
0: You know, that's a great question because you know, I think that my answer to that is I don't have a great low. I look at these entrepreneurs who, like, they're like, I was practically on my knees. I watched the Shark Tank. People are crying about how they were down to their last dollar. And I think that, I mean, everything that we've done has been, or I've done, you know, has been tremendously successful. And, and that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. I think mm. that the low moment is not having enough low moments. Um, I have a bit of you know, my father's investor mindset, um, where I look at things for, as an entrepreneur and also as an investor. I look at mitigating risk. And, um, you know, I'm not a guy who's going to create Facebook or create anything like that. Um, I, I don't like volume businesses. And mm-hmm. I also, um, yeah, I just I just don't see it for me. Um, so I, I think that not having an lows, and, and, and just doing stuff that works would be the issue, and, and that perhaps I should be taking more chances. Um, even now, with the startups, I mean, it's stuff that we know, it's stuff that I understand basically how it works, and lots of people are doing it in one form or another. Um, so I think that, you know, having, having a risk-friendly mindset could be a very good thing, that you I'm not entirely on board. I've never put every dollar I have into something, and that might be the low.
1: Mm. So are you running... Um, uh, are you growing your startup portfolio, your investment portfolio? Is that a big thing on your on your mind at the moment, or are you still focusing quite a lot of time on Nomad Capital?
0: Well, also, Nomad Capital is, is my thing, and it's what I'm passionate about, and I love it, and I lo- live it. And, I mean, it, it's that thing where they say, if you had to wake up every day and just do something because he loved it what would it be and that is Nomad Capital mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love going and it's in passports and investing in property you know we're doing in the country of Georgia innovation projects right now and building up to picking in possibly uh, a hotel project I love going and standing you know uh, being involved in that process I love that and so that's what I do start a portfolio um, is the real estate investing that you know I'm personally doing. But it's also, yes, it's the stuff. It is, um, we're looking at a business to, to sell land. I mean, all kinds of different stuff. Um, mm. As well as just very basic, you know, um, bread and butter kind of e-commerce stuff. Uh, and uh, publishing stuff. And... You know, that's where I'm hiring the CEOs. That's where I'm hiring apprentices. I'm a big fan of Taylor Pearson's book, The End of Jobs, where he talks about the concept of apprentices and bringing in apprentices. I've got tremendous apprentices who are from Eastern Europe, which is my favorite region for hiring, very smart people. Mm-hmm. They're really dedicated, and they're helping me build out some of these new concepts, and they learn very quickly. So today's, apprentices is tomorrow, or today's apprentice is tomorrow's CEO, and that's how I'm building the startup portfolio so that I can focus on the stuff that I love doing I can learn more about all the Nomad Capitalist stuff, constantly learning about what's changing the world, new countries, new opportunities, but also being able to manage the CEOs to grow my own personal business portfolio, but also to better understand the people who come to me and say, hey, Andrew, I've got an e-commerce business. I'm paying half a million dollars in taxes. How do I make it stop?
1: And I want to touch on that next, but I want to ask you, Andrew, what are you looking for in a startup? If you're going to invest your money in a startup, in any, any part of the world? What are, you, what are you looking for? I'm
0: looking for how it fits into my portfolio. I'm, I'm a big proponent of the Bain consulting quadrant, the business quadrant where I mentioned the cash cow, that's one quadrant. You've got the more stable business, you've got the more business we have to reinvest, that kind of thing. I look mm. at how do I diversify. I also look at everything I've done my entire life has largely been for men. Um, you know, nomad capitalist. We work with men eighty eight percent men, and so uh, some of the stuff we 're doing online is really geared at women and geared at kids and so I look at uh, again it 's not what Warren Buffett would approve of it 's not what a lot of entrepreneurs perhaps would approve of, but I look at how do I create something that is highly stable that 's just my mindset i 'm a diverse guy I want money in different countries I want money in different areas, and I want to know that um, listen you know Trump won logic because the of- hmm. White men, right? I mean, it's not because of the Latino vote, but so many white men supported him. Well, listen, I mean, they wouldn't have supported him eight years ago. So I want my businesses to reflect that same principle that um, I want to be very diversified. And to be honest, I mean, it may not be a sexy answer or a fast growth answer, but I want to know how does it fit into the portfolio in terms of what the business modality is and who the business avatar is.
1: Mm-hmm. What are some of the most exciting businesses you've seen that that you think are going to go places and the spaces that people should be thinking about playing in today?
0: You know, I love the businesses that are in emerging markets and that are creating new opportunities. So obviously, you know, selling stuff on the internet is nothing new. Mm. Um, but what I love is the idea of being able to buy land, for example, uh, in other countries. I'm in Georgia, I'm in Montenegro, I'm in so many other countries, Lithuania, looking at land, Uh, Albania, looking at land, great lands. And you you go and you're on the ground and you have to really know what you're doing in these countries to be successful. Hmm. But once you figure it out, it's pretty darn easy. And so the opportunity to help people invest in land, for example, a big proponent of agricultural land with all the demographics that are happening in the world right now, I'm a big believer in land. So, how do you invest in land? You can go and Google around and waste years of your life, as I used to do, or you can go there and figure it out and put your blood, sweat, and tears in. Or, you know, we're working in a way to how do you invest in land um, easily, the same way that you can now invest a thousand dollars in real estate in the U.S. with Peer Street or Realty Shares, and someone manages it for you. How do you take advantage in emerging economies that are exciting? Um, I'm helping a buddy of mine uh, and we've taken a stake in a business. It's a a property fund in Cambodia. Cambodia is a tremendous success story. It's going to be, I I think, phenomenal. They're they're, they're crushing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And who wants to go to Cambodia? I mean, I I want to go to Cambodia. The average person does not want to go to Cambodia to invest and figure it out. Here's a guy he's doing all the work. He's like the smartest guy you've ever seen when it comes to investing. He knows everything about investing in Asia, and he's doing it. And I love that concept because it's new, and no one would have thought of it, but they're doing so amazingly well that it's something that makes a lot of sense, and I think it's exciting to be part of that, and exciting to be part of a country that 30 years ago uh, was you know, 180 degrees different.
1: Mm. I, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned Cambodia because I'm actually doing some financial consulting work with... Uh, with a SaaS firm here um, in Melbourne and um, we've got a team out in Cambodia and a couple of the guys just came back from there three days ago. Um, but I'm intrigued about your proposition of investing in land overseas and I'm sure a number of my, my listeners here are thinking about. So in a nutshell, you're saying you're trying to come up with, um, with vehicles that can help you invest in land offshore, um, maybe not outright purchase, but maybe in like a property fund, etc. or other ve- vehicles, I'm sure. How do you generate a passive income return from that if you're not going to be farming the land, etc.? What are some of the ideas you're seeing?
0: Well, we're looking at many different avenues for that business. Um, And again, I look at it from my point of view from a portfolio, right? So Mm. I have agricultural land and I don't focus on passive income. I focus on excellent entry points. Because, you know, as we know, with real estate and in buying businesses, I mean, you make money when you buy, right? So, I look at great entry points. We own land that we paid a dollar a square meter for in some places. And I think that I'm looking at comps at $10 a square meter. And in 20 years, $50 or or more a square meter. So, I think that that's the payoff. And that's part of the portfolio. I'm not really looking... On a smaller scale, and I don't think that on a smaller scale, people are looking. I mean, if someone invests a million dollars, yes, they're going to be looking. But on a smaller scale, as portfolio diversification, people aren't looking for turning it into a farm. I do think there will be an opportunity on a larger scale to do that. Passive income returns on agriculture in some of these countries probably aren't as good as you would get elsewhere. So I look at it as diversification, kind of like gold. Um, Now they're they're finding ways to uh, create liquidity for gold. So I think land could be something in the future that that can be done with. But right now, I look at it as this fits into my portfolio, and I'm looking for capital appreciation rather than yield. And I'll get my yield from plenty of other places, from businesses, from high-yield rental properties, and I won't focus on the yield from that. I'll focus on cap gains.
1: Mm. Okay, I want to switch to to Norman Capital, not switch, but to talk about... um, how you've grown the business uh, since, I guess, 2013, perhaps. Is that when you started?
0: Yeah, uh, end of 2012, 2013. And, and like I said, I mean, spent a year not running it as a business. Our first real business project was January 2014. Peter Schiff mm-hmm. uh, came to our conference. He spoke at our conference. We had a great conference. I think one of the biggest ones the industry had seen for a first conference. And... That was the beginning so for a year it was just andrew writing and saying here's what i'm doing and people getting into it um so yeah 20 uh, 2013 was kind of the first year
1: and how did you grow from there how did you acquire your first customers for instance
0: well so i think that i've seen kind of a, a, a metamorphosis of how i would want to be treated when i'm in this industry and you know, i first we did a lot of writing, and that's what I enjoy doing: is writing, was sharing my story, and then people like that. So I said, "Okay, great. We'll provide more premium writing. Buy a book. Here's the banks that I recommend. I've dealt with all of them. You know, I've, you know here's here's my experience. You know, buy a book. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, I look at a guy like Frank Kern who talks about the value pyramid. You know, if you want to program your VCR, do you want the manual? you want a guy to call you and tell you how to program your VCR or do you just want to go make love to your wife and when you come down and law and order is recorded? Um, and I look at it from my perspective. When I go to new countries, I go in and I find a great lawyer and I say, I'm going to give you five grand and I want you to show me around and help me and do whatever we need to do. And that has helped me make tremendous connections and tremendous success. And so how we've acquired people now is simply saying, hey, listen, I do this stuff. Mm-hmm. If you answer some questions, let me see if I can help you. And if I can, then you know we'll get to work and we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. And we'll create a plan of attack, which is what actually works for me. So as opposed to the lawyer in Panama who sells Panama companies, who's not going to tell you maybe you shouldn't have a Panama company, I actually have the Panama company and I tell you, hey, it sucks. This company's better. Um, and so the acquisition is merely saying... Twelve hundred blog posts, uh, podcasts, and radio shows, and interviews, and everything else. And people come and they say they want my help.
1: So providing value and finding people who who are looking for for what it is that you that you've got, uh, which is what you've you've I guess done uh, very well. And how how um how many clients or what, what size? Could you give us a frame of of, of what Nomad Capitalist is looking like today and whether you're pushing it to grow or you're kind of very happy with where things are at.
0: Yeah, I mean, here, here's how I look at it. Um, I've reached the ripe old age of 32 and <laughs> it's been 14 years now in business. And I I got to be honest, the the challenges for me in the last couple of years were tackling stress, tackling anxiety, tackling Uh, personal things that were really having an effect on quality of life and quite frankly, on the business. Mm. I think that having a quality of life creates a better business, brings the right people in, you serve the right people better. It's just better for everyone. And so I, uh, I work with five folks a month. Um, that's what I do. Maybe I don't know. 2,000 and change people who go and apply every month and and I try and find five. Mm. Um, And the right five. And the five that not only want help and are committed to doing the work and committed to getting help, but that I can help. Um, Because I don't want to run it like how do we get so many people in that it becomes a mill? Because then you're not focused on serving. Um, I'm, I think, in the fortunate position. I think anyone who is in the Nomad Capitalist lifestyle shares this. I'm in the fortunate position of being able to say, I'm siloing the calendar, and the rest of my time, I'm going to focus on other startups, other ventures, helping to empower other people who want to become, you know, from on, from apprentices to CEOs. I love seeing my team members succeed. I've got my team members traveling the world now; they've, they've never traveled before. They never thought they'd be so successful. It's going so great. I love being part of that and being able to keep Nomad Capitalist for the people who are the best of the best people they want the help, they're willing to commit at a high level allows me to go out and do real estate and do great deals and look at hotel projects and sell properties and start uh, you know, our 12 startups project and bring the first two or three of those companies online and innovate and do fun stuff and then just enjoy and then just go out and get the passports and then just go out and you know we're doing a, a thing where Uh, We're going to three world-class cities every year, four years, as a a group of friends. And we're going to go to, like, Moscow and go to the Bolshoi Theater and go to the top restaurant in Moscow, Cafe Pushkin, and go to, you know, and drink the best vodka and stay at the St. Regis and just have a great time and just enjoy life. And I think that that's really what this is about. That's the wave of the future is not just trying to get every person in the door, but getting the right people, getting a transformation for them and enjoying life.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a very different model to, to a lot of the online models, which, which, as you say, is more geared towards volume and more geared towards, um, being able to scale and automate. But you, you've, you've switched it. You want to, um, five touch points with five people, uh, I guess it, for a month and really help them, um, you create a solution for themselves that is that is personal, and uh, I love that. That's that's obviously working for you, um, and with you all your I mean, other investments. Yeah, hmm.
0: yeah. I mean, they're not just saying, "Hey, buy an ebook." And cause it, I'll tell you, here's the truth: right? I had conferences, and like I said, I mean, they were some of the best attended conferences. People loved the conferences. People would come. We were in Cancun. It was a lot of fun. It was also mm. a lot of work, by the way. But it was a lot of fun. Jim Rickards, Peter Schiff, great guys, yeah. and people would come to the conference, and I'd see them the next year, the next conference. Oh, how's the bank account you opened? Oh, I never got around to it. And it's like you're paying five or ten thousand dollars to come here for a weekend, mm. and a year later you haven't done it. I said, listen, I, I finally had the realization that I've got enough. Like I don't need to chase. I don't need to be the guy from Wall Street who says. I always need more. I've got enough. I can retire. I can you know if I'm gonna be doing this, it needs to be transformative. Not only for me, I need to feel good, but it needs to be transformative for them. And even a high ticket conference, five thousand dollars wasn't enough to kick these people on the tokus and get them to take the action. So that's I think what it comes down to is um, what are you doing you know, how are you making the world a better place? What is your impact, not just how do you accumulate another million dollars for the hell of it?
1: Mm. That's, that's very interesting and somebody might be saying well you know Andrew can probably say that um, it's difficult um, maybe for me who's just starting I don't really have a a big brand etc um, what, what do you say to that what was your breakthrough moment for, for, for business that helped you come to a place where you can comfortably say I'm only going to work with five people a month
0: well I'll make a confession right uh, when I first been doing a radio show I was in the radio business. I did a radio show for Nomad Capitalist. We were on some radio stations. I would go to my friend's radio station when I was in that area, and if not, I would use my microphone. I had my software, and I would edit the radio show. And uh, this was, you know, 2013, and I was just starting to get into the abundance mindset, and I was clinging to these old ideas of, like, you know, I can do it myself, so I should. Well, now I have a guy. We do a show. I pay, like, you know... $300 a month, and they do it all, and I save so much time, and you know what? I look at it and I say, is my net worth growing faster now or then? Now, when I spend money and like, you know, I'll pay, you know, you go somewhere, you just pay $100 for the taxi, you do whatever. I think that you can probably afford more than you think you can, and if you're stuck in the mindset of, but I just need to do this now, and then later I'll change, then that mindset is going to hold you back. The mindset of, I can just do this myself, why not? Or I can't afford, or I shouldn't do... That's what held me back. The growth in net worth now is higher than what I made excuses. And it's hard for me, believe me. I grew up, like, my parents, you know, they would... Some of the stuff I invest money in, they would they would say, you're crazy, why are you spending that money? I hire mentors. I mean, you know, I uh-huh. hired a mentor for $10,000 a month. I, my dad would 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 flip his head. But it put me in the mindset and, and the benefits were so much better.
1: Yeah. What about fear of failure? I'm sure, you know, you seeing a lot of entrepreneurs wanting to move from one country to another for, for whatever reason, and you're investing in startups and, and, and new business ventures. How has that played a part in your life? Do that, do that hold you back or do that push you forward?
0: The fear of failure is interesting. I think that, if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, you don't really focus on the fear of failure. You, you know it'll work your confidence. And that's what we do, right, as entrepreneurs. I mean, I once define it as waking up every day and solving problems other people don't solve. Mm. This is why, you know, when I go to Hale and Uber, the guy can't figure out where to show up. You know, I mean... That's why I don't want to be an Uber driver, right? I would solve the problem. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what we do is we solve problems that other people don't solve. When you go to the restaurant and they say, it's not my problem, or when you go somewhere and they don't, they're not empowered to make a decision, they're not entrepreneurs. We are, so we solve problems. I think that having the mindset that every problem is solvable is is empowering, and I've never really had a fear of failure. Um, but, but really, I think that the mindset I'm in now is detaching from the outcome and saying... You know, what is failure? There there really is no failure. I mean, even if I... I've never had a business that has failed and has not been profitable, like, ever. And like I said, maybe it's hmm. a bad thing. Hmm. Because I it, it's taken me longer to learn certain lessons. And there are still more lessons for me to learn than if I had had a big failure that I would learn from. Every time, we, you know... It, so there really is no failure. And I think that maybe looking forward to failure almost and saying, you know, maybe it's better to... "Quote unquote fail and learn the lesson," you know. Every once in a while, I, I you know, I pay a thousand dollars, or I pay two thousand dollars, or I pay whatever that I shouldn't have to pay. But I'm like, great, that's going to kick me in the behind and remind me to never do that again.
1: Hmm. Um, I want you. I want you to give me an example of um, somebody that you've worked with recently who has had um, a great result, maybe um, through your normal capitalist business, uh, through your consulting work that that you've really been proud of and that you can share here with us um, and our audience?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's really accumulating. I think that, I mean, I've got one guy that is probably an archetype for a number of other people. Um, Australian guy who was living in Australia, growing an e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, $300,000 a year when we met. He's paying low six figures in taxes. Now it's up to about $800,000. That's less than a year later. Mm -hmm. and we got him out. We got him set up. We got him out of Australia. We got him set up in another place where he's living, and now he's traveling the world, and he's got his corporate set up, and he's got two different companies, and it's all out of Australia, and it's tax-free, and as he grows the business, I mean, he's now, uh, he showed me a spreadsheet. We met up uh, not too long ago. He showed me a spreadsheet, like, oh, I've saved like 200 grand so far this year, and I've gotten to reinvest that, Mm. in my business, and every dollar I'm putting in, I think he said it was like two and a half dollars back, and that's how he's growing so quickly, and I think he's going to grow even faster now that he's got the extra money, because I mean, when you look at that old penny a day uh, trick that we learned in elementary school, where you take a penny every day and double it, and at the end mm-hmm. of the 30 days, you have like billions of dollars, if every day you had, you had to take out capital gains tax, you'd have like 50 grand. So that's the really empowering part is the compounding benefit of saving 100 or 200 or 300 grand a year in tax and plowing that money back into the business. And then eventually plowing it back into the staying of the Four Seasons and giving money to causes that you care about. But you can't do that stuff until you make the business grow. And so that was a guy from Australia.
1: And what what jurisdictions, Andrew, would would work well for, for Australia today and maybe in the next couple of years in that scenario?
0: Well, so, I mean, where the company is, I mean, there's all kinds of different jurisdictions. It depends on where, you know, what's your benefit. I mean, a lot of people go to Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, places like that. Mm. I think the Caribbean, I think the tax havens are largely coming to an end. Places where there's just the wild, wild, wild west where you pay no tax, no accounting, no reporting. I think that's dicey. Um, so, I mean, there's so many different options, which is why we do a plan. I don't just put it in one blog post and be done with it. Mm. Um, you know, where do you go and live? Depends on where you want to live. Um, are you willing to pay a little tax? Are you willing to pay no tax? You know, do you like Europe? Do you like South America? Do you want to travel? I mean, there's, when I work with someone, I ask them, I make a list of like 80 questions, and I say here's what I need to know, and from there we can build your plan. So, there are a lot of variables, but it is that you can still, if you're from Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada, the UK, and, and many countries in Europe, you can get out of the system and your plan is different from my plan is different from that guy's plan but there is a way to do it and it's just a matter of saying I want to do it and it's more painful to pay 300 grand a year in tax than it is to do something about it
1: Mm. I love it Um, unfortunately we're coming to the top of the hour so I want to just spend a quick few minutes uh, just with soundbite answers from you if you can just to get a bit more of a of an overview about you and then how you run your business and your life. Um, how would you rank the following, Andrew? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really tough. I think that that the right friendships have to come first, and your family has to come. Uh, I don't have a lot of family, but I think if you have a family, uh, that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and I think that having fun, I mean, it sounds selfish, but I think that selfishness is important hmm. uh, because it's what you do when you're having fun and you're at your peak. It's when you go out and create so much good stuff for other people. And I think if you do those three things in order, the finances will come from that um, and, and lots of good things will happen.
1: Hmm. Great. Uh, give us a 30-second look into a day in your life when you started your business uh, versus a day in your life today.
0: Uh, when I started my business, the day in the life was uh, wake up, plow away, go to bed. Uh, that's it. Um, you know, I started with a cold call. In fact, I've got a friend of mine who has given speeches, at my conferences, about how we met because I called him and just picked up phone and called him. Um, I don't do that so much anymore. One of the lessons I've learned, even traveling so much, is having. A schedule a regimen I wake up I'm trying to get up by nine mm-hmm. I schedule an hour and a half in the middle of the day to do the emails and silo that I spend Tuesdays mostly on the phone uh, and um, I make I make sure I take personal time for you know going to the hammam getting a massage doing you know pampering stuff that's that's Monday so I've really got the, the value of a regimen down
1: mm. very good Um, What are the two books that you think are are great reads for entrepreneurs?
0: The one book that I'm recommending to everyone right now is is Taylor Pearson's The End of Jobs. It's a great understanding of what is changing the world. Um, Another book, if you're looking at emerging world and kind of branching out of your comfort zone, is The Ten Trillion Dollar Prize. It's a couple years old now. Mm -hmm. It's about primarily China and India and how they're growing as world economies. And everything that 's happening, and it gives you an insight into how people in those countries think and why they buy stuff and I think that you 're going to see tremendous fortunes made in not only those countries but other emerging economies, and people should be aware of that
1: mm, it 's interesting. I was just interviewing somebody uh, yesterday, and uh, they 've built uh, quite a quite a nice business, um, just building um, you know so- software applications, etc, and uh, they 're doing over three million bucks a year in in revenue. Um, so it's very interesting and they're straight out of the university so so great share there and um, what's the best way for people to connect with you Andrew?
0: Well we've got so many resources on nomadcapitalist.com um, if you go there you can kind of my views are and, and what we're all about and my idea of go where you're treated best and for people who want help they can go and click on the top and they can get some help and see if they're a good fit um, but in going in, in, into uh, uh, nomadcapitalist. dot I think we, we try to put out a lot of.
1: That's great. Um, well, before I ask my last question, I just want to acknowledge you for everything you're doing in the marketplace and all the all the great things that you're you're doing to help people out, help people save on taxes, uh, and and reinvest that money into their businesses, and really think outside their square in terms of how they can impact other generations with, uh, with that um, access to more funds. And thanks for coming on this show and pouring out your words of wisdom. And now for the last question, Andrew. When it's all said and done, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why?
0: You know, they, uh, the saying is y- you have to make it and then you can uh, matter. And I think that going from where I started now, we'll right. branching out into more giving back the, that I would like, I'd like to create many other successful entrepreneurs uh, and successful people who who accomplish too. And I'm proud that we're doing to continue with a lot of our charity projects. And I think that in the fashion of ability, it's a building, sort of a warm up, but I think that that's the approach that people should be taking. Um, we're doing a lot of different projects uh, to you know help people out, help the environment out help animals out and I think that that's what I'd like to be remember
1: thank you yeah that's amazing yeah yeah great um, well thanks for sharing that thanks for having you on the show ladies and gentlemen thank you for hanging out with me and Andrew today I hope you had as much fun as I did and uh, importantly, I hope you got your hopes up that um, you know you are good enough to chase your dreams and make an impact in this world. Um, remember to head on over to businessgenerals.com for all the show notes. Just type in Andrew in the search bar, and his show notes will come up with everything that we talked about today. And uh, to reach out to Andrew, you know, go to nomadcapitalist.com and check out all the work they're doing there, uh, and uh, reach out to them and see if you can have a chat. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the Business General's Podcast today and for sharing your story with us. For that, we're grateful. You are your true Business General. My pleasure, man. Thanks, mate. Hey, what's up, Business General's family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business General's Podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. And you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.